God is good all the time. I tell you what, just let's just start. Turn turn with me, Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse starting at verse twenty six. I'll be reading from the ESV, so if you're following along, you'll understand it if it looks different than what you're reading. Genesis 1, 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And I want you to skip over to to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So this, this morning, just in these moments, I want to start with God's original intention. Now, I know that over the past little while um, that we've talked a lot about the basics, right? We've said a lot of things about the basics. And and that's not to say that there's more advanced than other things that no, I mean, like it all everything flows from these basics. God's original intention is still his intention. Right, Revelation song, and we and we think the hope the hope of eternity, Dusty. You pray that you know to be in God's presence forever, singing His praises and enjoying Him. We will, we will get back to that original intention of His. But we start with those basics for us. Uh, if you don't have an outline, there's like outlines at the ends of each of the white tables in the back. And if you don't have one, I, w- I would just ask, just grab one. Uh, there's pens there too. And you can kind of fill these things, fill them out. Uh, hopefully helps you keep track with me and it also helps me keep on track. Because uh, I'm like a bird dog. Rabbit trails are a thing for me. And so... I need this stuff to keep me in line. The first point that's on there. The earth was not created as a zoo to house God's creatures, but as a dwelling place and a sanctuary. He would be with His creation. 
Do you, do you hear that? The earth was not created as a zoo to house God's creations or creatures, but as a dwelling place and a sanctuary. He would be with His creation. This is not a cosmic accident that we are here. It was intentional, an intentional and designed place with no lack of resources. It was not a snow globe for divine observation, but a place for full access and relationship with a loving and intentional Creator. This was not an, ex- an experiment. Let me see what happens here. We were designed, it was designed, that He would dwell here. And He would dwell with us. And we would dwell with Him. Bonus thought. You are not an accident. And I, and I switched it to I am for your notes. Because I think you need to make it true. I am not an accident. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You are not an accident. I don't care how you got on this earth. You are not an accident. Your DNA does not determine your relationship with your Creator. You hear me? It might have something to do with through your traits, characteristics, the, the amount of melanin in your skin, predisposition towards certain diseases, climate changes how you function in life, how your temperament kind of rolls and flows. But that DNA does not determine your relationship with your Creator. First off, because He he made DNA. Like He invented that. He came up with that. The dirt that you were formed out of, he, he, He made that. Right there, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. It's sort of something a little funny or whatever. But so there was this scientist in a lab, and he was saying, "I I could do this. We could. I can make these things. This is is a challenge to God. I can make stuff. I can make life. I can make all this." And then God says, "You you could really." So, so let's, let's see you do it. So he stoops down and grabs a, a wad of clay and starts forming stuff, and God says, well, wait a minute. Make your own clay. We, we come from his design, his intention, his purposes. I don't care how you got here. There is a story there. There just is. There's a story. We all have one. 
Some of them have, some are marked with pain. I, I promise you that everybody's story in here is marked with pain. Anybody in this room never have an emotional pain or never have a struggle or never have something, a wound or something that's, that's marked you? Anybody? Can anybody raise your hand here and say that there's just not been something that's happened to you that's not marked you and changed, just, just changed you somehow or other? I don't think any of us can. I, I don't think any of us can, can step into this space and say, there's a hurt, and there's a thing that just did something to me, and here I am. Yeah, I, I understand that. God understands that. That is known. But your story is not the whole story. So we go back to His intention for us, regardless of the DNA, and regardless of the story. We go back to His intention. Another point. You are here on purpose for a purpose. And I started it again the same way. I am. That you would write that and say that not as a you are second person thing out there someplace. But I am here on purpose for a purpose. To know God, to be known by God, and to make Him known. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here on this earth. To know God, to be known by God, and to make Him known. We have a purpose. <laughs> With or without your cooperation. With or without it, you are here for a purpose. With or without your cooperation, because He will be glorified in everything. He will. Now, maybe like we think of that, and and we do this right. It's uh, you know, it's that um, what do they call it? Anthropomorphism. You know where you you pull attributes of of some something else over into another place like we do that like look disney's made bazillions of dollars doing that forever you know uh, driven good hunters out of the woods because bambi you know deer don't talk okay they don't weep over mom's death they run into the woods because there might be more <laughs> This whole idea that bugs have a life and they have do carnivals and have shows and stuff like that. Like I'm going to tap at a lot of these things maybe for a second. It's not real. I'm sorry. I Brian, I apologize. I there is no Santa Claus. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm messing everybody up today. I don't I don't mean to. <laughs> it is we have done things with God to make him like us. We have we have we have pulled our flaws and and our weaknesses over and projected them onto him as if he thinks like us and feels like us and therefore must act like us. So when we hear, He must be glorified. He will be glorified. For us to think of that, it's like, what? If, if one of us said, I must be glorified, some of you would laugh if it was me saying that. It's like, dude, I know you well, way too well. <laughs> you do not deserve that. But if I was loud enough in enough spaces grabbed a few scriptures and hurled them out there to give weight to myself, to certain people, they might want to do that. They might want to, oh, okay, yeah, you should be. I'm not worth it. Hate to break your heart, neither are you. But He is. 
he he just is not because of something he did or didn't do or this or that or the other. No, be, because because he is. Well, okay, just just plain straight up, he is. When he introduced himself to Moses, he didn't say, "My name is God. My name is Yahweh." My name is letters and syllables and unpronounceable something, consonants or something. He didn't do that. He said, I am. In, in him is existence personified. And out of that I am came us. We, we are products of his mind, heart. Benevolence, joy. He, he enjoyed creating. Even knowing. Come on, even knowing. He enjoyed creating. And that's why in the, those first verses I read, it was really important. He saw the stuff day by day. It is good. It is good. It is good. And when it was done, and He created us in his image and filled up all of the things he didn't just say and that's good he said it's very good he delighted in that creation full knowing full knowing all of this so when we say he is worthy it's because he is. He doesn't deserve honor and glory. He is honor and glory. Like we wouldn't even know what that was if he hadn't given it. If he hadn't explained it, we wouldn't understand it. And the world asks, I want to know what love is. I could sing that song and I won't. <laughs> I want you to show me. I want to know what love is. But the Word says, God is love. He didn't just make it, create it. He is it, personified. Genesis 2, 15-17, kind of carrying on the narrative here. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, I know there's a thing for me that I would say, I, you just had one tree, right? You've seen that. It's like you just had one thing to do. <laughs> Don't eat from that tree. And everything is all around you to take in. I mean, it's just there is an overflow of everything. One tree. Simple. Not easy. And, and I'm just going to kind of walk into this a little piece. It would be easy for us to sit here today in the middle of this after a handful of thousand years ago and say, if it had been me, I would not, I'd have built a fence around that stupid tree and she wouldn't have got in there. And I wouldn't have had to stand there with my face hanging out while this is all there, not saying one word and just watching this all go down. And that'd be it. But what gives us that is perspective, right? Because we got this book in front of us that maps this all out. And we go, oh, huh, well, see... See all of the, I read through all of the louse-ups and the struggles and the pain and everything and go, no way! 
but you and I don't have any guarantees that if it had been me, that it wouldn't have been the same thing. We don't. And guess what? We're not supposed to go back there and try to figure that out. So I'm saying all this to say, so where does that leave us here today? Understanding that God's intention in creation was for us to know Him and to walk with Him. And, and that was broken. Bonus thought number two. While we're... Bonus thought number two. Experience gained by obeying God is wisdom. While that gained by disobeying God is slavery. You know what I'm saying? Experience gained by obeying God is wisdom. While that gained by disobeying God is slavery. Now we understand that what Adam and Eve went through and choices they gained some experience. But what did it yield them? In disobeying, it yielded them slavery. Experience gained by obeying God is wisdom, while that gained by disobeying God is slavery. And I'll just say, parents, don't give your kids that sideways look. <laughs> right? Uh, see, you see here, kid? Right here, right now. Experience gained by obeying is wisdom. Experience gained by disobeying. Don't give that sideways look because I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about us. This isn't just about house rules. This isn't talk about this isn't talking about behavior or behavior modification for that matter. This is about life and peace for all of us. This is about three big questions that the fall gave us. Three big questions. Number one, you notes. Is this and will this be enough? And this is stuff. You know, money, uh, uh, money things. Is this... And will this be enough? It could go in food. Just anything that you would call provision. Is this and will this be enough? The next question, big question is, am I and will I be enough? Anybody else besides me ever ask that question when you're faced with circumstances in life? I don't care if it's, it's down here, in the in the mire in the clay working life and doing jobs and you know going in for going in for an interview or or going into a meeting that's got a lot of tension built into it or going into a situation that you're that you're just a little bit might be a little bit overwhelmed with that you don't ask those questions am i and will i be enough for this Will I be enough? Am I enough? Will I be enough for this thing that's coming up towards me? And then the last question. Is he and will he be enough? Is he and will he be enough? So I'm going to give some answers to each one of those questions. Go ahead. You can go ahead and leave them up there too, Chase. And I promise you they are not going to be exhaustive answers. But I'm going to give some answers. So number one, is this and will this be enough? Talking about stuff. Philippians 4, 
10 through 13. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. This is Paul talking about stuff. And the Philippians were generous to him and they had given. So this is kind of the context of how he's speaking about this. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and the end verse is one that we're familiar with, really familiar with, probably seen it on, uh, if you've been around Hobby Lobby, you've probably seen it on a sign somewhere, or a coffee mug. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul didn't say, I know abundance, and I know lack. That's not what he said. He said, I know how to have, and I know how to not have. And I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Jesus speaking, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Why are you so anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Is this and will this be enough? Is answered in the fact that what Jesus says, I am you. I've got the supply. There is no lack with me. There is no lack with me. There's no concept of being without. We know scriptures, others, and I'll just quote I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging bread. Like we, we hear that and think, oh man, there's been some times. I must not be righteous. No, I think that we feel the pain of lack, and it drives us away from looking to God and looking to our circumstances. And it causes us to fail to see where He's been there all along, providing exactly what we needed and when. I know just the first real thing that was lost in the fall was enough because it was enough there was enough to eat there was enough that the 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 temperature who knows what the temperature and it doesn't matter it was enough it, it was enough there was no sense of lack of anything there was no sense of competition they have this and i don't they, they, they own these things and, and I, there wasn't a sense of 
lack. So the first thing that was lost was enough. And isn't that our struggle? Like, like, isn't that our struggle right here, right now? And, and isn't that what these questions speak to? Because that's what they spoke to me. Is this, and will this, be enough? The second question, am I and will I be enough? Answer, no. Now that might sound kind of abrupt and maybe even a little bit like, boy, you're kind of a jerk, Kevin. But the truth is, you and I were never meant to be enough. We were never meant to be enough. It was and is and always will be about Him. Which brings me to the last answer, the last question. Is He and will He be enough? And the answer is, Christ is enough. He is enough. Christ is enough. God is enough. (sighs) And I'm going to be really candid with you. And I'm going to talk about my knowing the right answer versus my application of that knowledge. I want you to picture, if you will, just for a second, and I'll I'll tell a story. I'll tell on myself. If somebody walks into a room with this like really awesome looking thing, whatever it is, it's just like this gizmo that does cool stuff, like fill in there for whatever makes you think that's really cool. Like for me, it's gizmos, gadgets, technological technological wonders, whatever. For you, it might be, you know, some sort of like really cool thing that, I don't know, makes flowers. I don't know. I'm uh, sorry, girls. I am not good at trying to bridge the gap between guy brain and girl brain. Very good. But I'm going to go back to like just, I'm going to talk technical things. Y'all fill in the blank with stuff that you think is like, oh, that would be really cool. So I bring this, it's brought into the room and you look at it and go, wow. And then someone pulls out a man, it does really good stuff. It's a, it does amazing things. And you're like, that is so cool. And you walk around and look at everything. And they just keep telling you how great it is and what it does. And it's like, um, plug it in. T- turn it on. And the person looks at you and you go, well, isn't it enough to know? That it works. Get a manual. Look at the pictures, glossy and everything. All the descriptions of the wondrous things that this dude does here. I'd be like, plug it in and turn it on. Isn't it enough to know what it will do? No. It's not enough. Show me what it will do. Let me experience it, doing it. It looks cool and shiny and awesome, but I want to see it dirty, gritty, moving and working and doing this stuff. I want to see the parts move. I want to see the things turn. I want to see what it does on the wall. I don't know, whatever the thing is you're picturing. Now I tell on myself. So I'm working in a sound booth. Technical guy. I've probably given that away many times. And it's in a, there's a sermon going on, and I'm just paying attention to, okay, today, did I hit record? Are all the lights doing, the, is everything like it should be? Checking to make sure the gains and EQs and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, that sounds pretty right. <clears throat> no feedback, no nothing. And I'm hearing the message, and the message is not what got me. There was just some words that kind of came out of the message. Just some something, a little sentence. They just kind of came up over the wall of the sound booth. And it was like, 
in that moment, where I was, not just in the sound booth, but where I was in life, what I was dealing with, and that sentence just smacked me in the face. And it was as close as I could say to the audible voice of God asking me a question. Kevin, am I enough? Am I enough? And y'all, I know the answer to that question. Like, I do. Oh, yeah, 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 I got this one. I got, I got this one. I got the manual with all the glossy pictures in it. And I can see this right here. And I'll go pull that out and go, yes, you are enough. But the problem was not that the thing was there and the manual and the words. But I, I, I hadn't plugged it in to the circumstances I was in. I hadn't turned it on. So I knew in my brain, yes, yes, God, you're enough. But in what I was living like in that space, the answer was no. And God answered, He asked that question to me point blank. Kevin, am I enough? And I just said, no. Because in that moment, he wasn't. Not that he intrinsically in value and everything else wasn't. But here, in application, in what I was thinking and how I was, how I was processing life, he wasn't enough. And I knew it. And he knew it. And you know the response I got from that? Not condemnation, not how dare you, you ought to know better than that. But it's like, okay, we can work with that. We can work with that because that's what's really happening inside of you. Not what you know ought to be, not the letters and the rules and the Good boy. But that's where you really are right now before me. And I know it. Like I've known it all along. That's God saying that He knew it and knew it all along. The darkness that was in here. And I, and I, let me, let me just say something. Let me, let me just kind of like interject this thought in there. It wasn't that I was doing debaucherous, crazy things and I had this secret hidden life where I was, you know, doing all this wicked stuff and looking up the wrong things on the internet and reading garbage and, uh, you know, it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that. I mean, you, you could look at my addictions at the time as harmless. The Andy Griffith Show. Binge watching The Andy Griffith Show. I think I've been through like a Doctor Who thing, and that's weird. Don't go there. It's just just weird. It's bigger on the inside. Oh, never mind. That's just if you if you know you know, and if you don't, don't try. And and a lot of this stuff was just tame. But it wasn't about the things. It was about what I was trying to do with them. I was trying to find my comfort. I was trying to find some sense of enough in stuff that was not enough. And God was saying to me in that moment, I knew it. He spoke to my heart just as clear as He could speak to anyone. This is the place where you're hiding. This is the place where you're numbing yourself to your situation. And and in that, numbing yourself to what I really want to give you, is, which is relationship. I am enough. And I want to be enough to you. Because you need me to be enough to you. Do you get me? Like, 
We need Him to be enough for us. I'm going to try to do this quick. I'm going to work it quick. I'm going to doodle. Is it okay if I doodle? Uh, going to put this up here. And I'm going to put up this questionable. So, anybody familiar with R.C. Sproul? R.C. Sproul. Like, so you hear that, like you've ever heard, if you if you haven't, that's fine too, but it's the scratching of chalk, because like he's got a radio, had a radio program, and, he, and he'd be talking, and he's saying his scripture and these words, and then you're, you know, it's the chalkboard sound of him writing on this chalkboard, and you're like, I so wish I could see what he was writing. I don't know, what, what word did he put up there, right? So, so you get that, but it might be more squeak, 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 instead of, you know, chalk... And I want to try to talk this through quickly so it isn't just like, so if you listen to the audio later, it's like, yeah, he's not saying any words, he's just drawing pictures. That is so bizarre. But would you just see this big circle that I've drawn? So the circle you see up here, the big green circle, is God all encircling all of his creation and the the little blue circle inside with the hash through it that's that's us and surrounded enclosed contained in in a in a wonderful wrapped up way right and that was how god started it it was communion communion everything was in order and in place and he was there around and with all the time but then something happened then then there's the fall right and i erase it and actually dry erase is perfect for this because behind every bit of this Every one of these pictures is going to be a shadow of something that was, right? So then it changes. We're going to do our thing, things our own way. And we are set on a course away from God and broken. We are launched away from the presence of God. Communion is broken. And so are we. And so are relationships and everything. And God would be in every right to leave it that way. He would be in every right to just leave it and say, done with it. But He didn't. So now, there is a wall between us and Him. Isolation and separation. Broken communion. Broken us. And a wall. And God does something. In our launch away, God speaks through that wall. And I make little radio wave broadcast because it's what I know. And He calls out to us, come to me, and halts our direction away, and calls us back to Himself. But there's still a wall there. There's still separation. So out of that, separation God said I, I'm not going to dwell with you uh, the communion is broken but I will make a tabernacle and eventually a temple where I will be and you can come to me there and I will meet with priests and there'll be seasons and festivals and there'll be sacrifices and everything pointing to something to come. 
But He makes a place for us to come to a temple, a tabernacle. And it's, it's, still, not an, it's still not enough. And He knows it's not enough. He knows it's not enough. He, he knows it'll never be enough. He knows that, that we'll never be enough to, to, to do anything, to get past that wall. He knows that. So He does something. And He interposes. He sacrifices. Right? Familiar story. And in that sacrifice, He does away with two things. I hope I can draw decent lightning bolts here. He destroys the tabernacle. He destroys the temple with the cross, with the sacrifice of His own Son, and He destroys the wall that separates us. And what He does next is interesting. Because He takes this that was running away from Him, and He by this Christ who broke all the separation. He changes all this. And all that was in the shadows of everything. And He does something brand new and unprecedented in in our world. He lets us back in. And He's made... A new tabernacle out of this that was broken. And its strength, its strength is the cross. And that's what he's in the process of doing with us in all of this. He doesn't just want us to be saved. He is restoring us to communion with Him. He is restoring us to relationship with Him. He is calling us to Himself not to hold us at arm's length, but to invite us in. And not only that, the Bible says it so plainly. Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us. But the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. Do you see with and in being so much different than over here or up there? With and in. Because His heart toward us is to restore what was lost And take us back to enough. Not just the words enough, but the real sense of enough. The real knowledge that He's enough. The real knowledge that His Word is enough. That He is enough. His Spirit is enough. We don't need any more or less than Him. Because He is enough. He is enough. And may it be, may it be that our practice is when God asks, am I enough? That we can say, not just with words of knowledge, but with a heart, and say, yes, you are, and I know that. I've had little, I've had nothing, and I've had a lot. Either way, you're enough. Either way, you're enough. And then all the clamoring for more ends. All the constant searching for the new thing to fill our brain and numb our senses just kind of pales. It just it does. It's like it just becomes interesting. Or like, well, that's fine. It's interesting. But it's not everything. May it be. May it be that that we discover fully discover our enough.
and our enough is not anything but Him. Not, not anything but Him. And I pray, I just pray with all my heart, this is more than just words from a pulpit and some notes, little blue papers with lines. But it's just a, like that's this is a real thing that's taking place that God is doing in your heart, drawing him, drawing you to Himself. Because I promise you that salvation does not that, that salvation, the breaking down, that that was just the start. That wasn't the whole. He is constantly, constantly inviting us into communion with Him to know He's enough in every way possible. Let's pray. Father, I'd give to You the lessons because they come from You. That Everything true and good and right, it, it flows from You. Your mercy, Your grace, Your goodness, Your supply, Your provision, it, it does come from You. So I give myself and I, as much as I can, commit anything of anybody else's, but Lord, I will say, I commend all of us to You and to Your power, Your strength, Your person, Your supply. May it be that it just may it be that it's more than words, Lord. I just want it to be more than words. More than just truths on a page. But something that lives in us. Something that lives in me in every moment. You are great and greatly to be praised. And I love you. And I thank you for your love first. Or I don't even know what love really, really is. And I pray that your work in hearts is accomplished and that it goes beyond just what's heard or seen or felt in this space, but that it goes beyond into life and practice. Lord, plug us in, turn us on, let us run. In Jesus' name, amen.